I do a very good job a lot of times on the program going, you know, called this one. Called it. Told you. Was the first one out there. A little early. I do a good job of that. I was wrong about something I was heading into this weekend. Okay. And I have never been more pleasantly surprised in my life. Really? In my life. So, those of you that don't know, I do this for a living. And then, come the weekend, I'm like, ah, I'm not really the lay around, (laughs) kick up the feet type. Let's keep it pushing. Right? So, I also bartend at the Agora up in Cleveland. And we had Dave Matthews in the house on Friday night. Now, it was not a typical Dave Matthews concert. It was a rally for Dennis Kucinich for mayor, who I actually did see. He was interviewed by Fox 8 three feet away from me. They, 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 they were, it actually, they were, had to do it so fast, they couldn't even like shoo me out of the shot like in part of it. And so like he had been like interviewed there, so I actually saw Dennis Kucinich. He's like three feet tall, too, isn't he? Is not he real a big. S- small man? It's not real hair, Okay. Um, I think, honestly, on the weekend, he may go into a phone booth and then come out and front Godsmack. Okay. It's like that. that's what might happen there. Okay. And so I had misunderstood. I really, What I did is I misjudged the crowd. I thought what would happen is because the tickets were like 150 bucks, I was told. Dude, I was told. I don't know if this is true, but I was told one of, one of like our VIP boxes sold for 10 grand. Jeez. 10 grand. Now, I, again, I have no verification of that. Somebody just said it in the room, and I was like, all right, well, I heard it. Not, so I have no idea if that's true or not. Okay? But I thought what this was going to be was black cocktail dresses and, like, up, you know, suits and people not paying attention to the show because we're here because of Dennis. Right. And we want to ban assault weapons. And right. We want to do this, and we want to do this. I thought it was really going to be about that. No, it was a bunch of hippies in jeans. And really? It was just Dave Matt. Dude, they didn't care about Dennis Kucinich at all. Not really? A single, no, to a man, nobody cared. It was all about seeing Dave Matthews. Well, you got to think. I mean, like, yeah, Dave Matthews fans definitely have a stereotype to them, but they're old now. I mean, yeah. like, Dave Matthews band was biggest probably in what, like the late 90s? I mean, like 97, 98, 99, right? Yes. I mean, that's when they were at their, that's 20 yes. years ago, yeah. bro. So if you were 18 smoking, you know, crunchy nubs back then, right? You're yeah. 40 now. Exactly. So, like, so you do have the money to go, you know, buy $150 tickets there, but you still want to go relive the, you know, the crunchy nug days of Dave Matthews. So my bar manager realizes that once he's on stage, that the lobby's pretty much going to be done. People aren't going to leave inside the venue yeah. to, to come back out to the lobby, right. which is normally where we work, where I work. So he says to me, he goes, you know, look, man, I know you didn't really want to work this tonight. I asked you to come here. I listened to the Stansberry show. He was like, <laughs> well, what he said was, is, I don't wake up early enough to listen, but enough people listen to you where we were told you didn't really want to be here. Like, okay. He goes, why don't you just go upstairs and make sure the cocktail waitresses know what they're doing and just watch the show. So, dude, I got the stand upstairs, right. leaning up against the railing once he started and not move the rest of the night, stand there and do nothing and watch Dave Matthews. And, dude, it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't a Dave Matthews show. He came out, acoustic guitar, stool, and played. It was just him and a guitar, which made it kind of cool because it felt like... Oh, this is something you don't see. Because he's coming to Blossom in the summer. Right. So you can go see Dave Matthews. Yeah. This is like, oh, this is, I'm getting 
I'm getting to see something you don't always get to see, and I always will like that, whether I like the artist or not. Yeah, one of my buddies went to that, and he, I was talking to him Friday before the show, and he was like, dude, I hate Dave Matthews. I don't want to watch this, but my my wife loves her, mm. just absolutely loves DMB. And that's what he was, you know, DMB. And I'm like, okay, yeah, all right, calm down. And it, that's what he said. He was like, she wanted to go to this so bad because she's seen the band a million times. She's never seen right. Dave Matthews on on stage with the guitar. Now, was it all like ants marching and what would he gave you say? You the hit parade. Okay, hit he parade. Gave you the hit parade. Was he playing other stuff too, or I mean, like, was he playing? You know, I, okay. So I, I don't know enough of his catalog to know names. Okay, okay, but it, but he played like I believe the space between okay. Crash. I mean, he gave you the hit parade. Like there was, I remember sitting there going, "Oh, okay, yeah, I remember that being all over the radio." Yeah, okay, I remember that you know being all over the radio. I think he did a cover or two. And then more towards like the end of the set, I was like, all right, I feel like I'm robbing somebody else of this experience. So like right. I kind of went down and told the other girl, I'm like, Why don't you go upstairs and check the cocktailers out. I don't want to, you know what I mean? I'm good. So then after the show, we rush everybody out of the venue. And then the Kucinich like volunteer staffers all get their opportunity to take their photo with Dave. It's literally happening two feet in front of me. So we're kind of told at the venue now, guys, no phone. Like, don't do this anymore. Staff shouldn't really be doing this, whatever, right? Right. So, of course, a lot of the younger staff has a hard time doing that. So I told the one girl, I'm like, dude, if you take pictures, send it to me. I'm not doing <laughs> it. Right? And as soon as he's done kind of doing that, he just kind of walked over to the bar, man. He was like, yo, man. He's like, I'm sorry. He's like, I'm just a little parched. Can I bother you for a bottle of water? And so I grab it out of the cooler, and I go to hand it to him. I was like, three bucks. And he looks at me like, and I was like, dude, I'm totally kidding. I'm not charging Dave Matthews for his bottle of water. Shook my hand, was very nice, and that was the end of that. But I honestly, I had completely misread the situation. I completely misread what was going to happen, and I was wrong 110%, and it's important when I tell you when that happens. Well, there you go. And then Saturday night had Papa Roach in the house. Okay, a little sold switch out, out there. A little switch. Sold out. All right. Packed to the rafters. Right. What a great show. Found a band. Actually, we're going we're gonna to play for you tomorrow on New Tour Tuesday. They're up and coming from what I've understood. Papa Roach has already backed down their set time because they're having a hard time keeping them at bay on the tour. They're called Nothing More. They've got a couple of albums out. The new one's pretty good. Listened to it pretty much yesterday. Um, made friends with their merch dude. Nothing More. That's uh, That band's all right. I think I've heard of them. I don't think I've ever heard them. I think that's one of those bands, like, you've seen their name somewhere, but okay, nothing more. They're very much, for me, what I call Steven Seagal rock, because all these... Cause no, because okay. all these bands have that. Under Siege 2, okay. <laughs> My dying this. You know what I mean? At this moment, in this time. It's always like three or right. two word or three yep. word punchy sentences that all sound like Steven Seagal movies. <laughs> so, like, that's I call it Steven Seagal rock. They're one of those. But they were pretty good at it, so we'll you know we'll take a listen to that tomorrow. And then, dude, yesterday I capped off my weekend by playing a golf course in the area I've never played. Uh, my buddy Dustin took me out to Minerva, and we played Great Trail yesterday. They have 27 holes. We only got to play the 18 of them. I'll be back by the end of the week. Great Trail, well done out there, buddy. Really? 
Really good course, really affordable. Staff was great. Can't wait to head back there. Found another good course I love. How the uh, how the new stick swinging over there? The clubs are good? We started good. Kind of got a little guilty of once the course got a little crowded, I do what I do. I like my I got a little in my head, started right. to play a little too fast. Things went you know bad, but I but I ended up finishing out pretty strong. It's a good thing you don't have to do your job in the public eye. <laughs> it's the only thing I can do comfortably in front of other people. It really is. It's crazy. It's insane how that's true because of what is such a, a soul-laying bear thing it is. But, yeah, it's like the only thing. But great trail. I cannot wait to come back. What an excellent thing that was. I know your Cavs played last night. I know they won. I know you're pumped. We'll find out what else happened with Fantone's Weekend. That's next on Rock 106.9. Your shot at $1,000. Now, text the keyword WIN to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply. That's WIN to 200-200. Rock. 1069. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show. We're on Rock 1069. I want to thank Dunkin' Donuts one more time as they had me out Saturday. I was out there from 11 to 1, passing out Bill Engvall tickets to their new location, which is like 4,000 Erie Street South. And uh, it, there was some debate by the audience there. This is Maslin. No, it's not. It's Navarre. It's oh. like there was one of those things where it's oh. like the audience was kind of having like a, like a little debate there. Guys, as somebody who's not from Stark County, now I love the area. I love being here. This is what I consider home now. But it, dude, it's so confusing of where these where lines are. Everyone's like, nope, that's not where you are, idiot. Don't you know you're in Jackson Township? I don't, no. even, I don't even know where this is. No. Where am I? No, I didn't know that. Did not know that. So, yeah, but that was, uh, that was a great day. I actually, uh, dude, a, a, a listener brought a monkey. How? What? I like, saw this. What? Tell me about this. What happened? I got to pet a monkey. What? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but okay. any, any day you pet monkeys is a good day, right? Right. And so, no, I don't know. She got out of the truck and she was holding. And, and so, Amy, our promotions person says, yeah. Dan, that lady's holding a monkey. And I didn't even look over my shoulder. I said, Amy, there is no way that's a monkey. No. I was like, that's a purse dog or like one of those type things. You know what I mean? Like she's going all Paris Hilton. And I turned around. I was like, oh my God, that's a monkey. So so I put the monkey. Little tiny little little monkey. Kabooch. I mean, like, okay. And I, I guess it was not very old. Um, and uh, there's actually a video you can watch if you're on Instagram. It's uh, Dan.Stansberry is my Instagram. You can watch it there. And uh, it's just the woman kind of holding it, and then you see my big mitt reach out and like kind of rub its head. So I'm not a chimpanzee, one of those little tiny guys. That have a little, little diaper, little, little yeah. okay, little, yeah. okay. My God, what does this lady have a di- or have a, have a monkey for? I believe it was like Ross's monkey. I was pretty much that's what he had. What? Was it capuchin? Jeez, how? <laughs> they can't be cheap, right? No, I don't even know if they're legal. All I kept thinking is, I want to see this person's house. Like there's because what did I say the other day about uh, dude strange pet people can yeah. be very very strange yeah out of the ordinary pet people can be very very weird well and strange can go two very different ways there where it's like if you have a monkey I can make assumptions about you one way or the exact opposite other way exactly in the right. sense of like your house I'm going to go to it and it's going to be like oh my god it smells like crap this is disgusting what a terrible environment or it's or, the best house I've ever seen oh my god this is <laughs> insanely nice yeah, that's so exactly I, right. I have I have no idea but dude I uh I I mean, like, that's, it was crazy when I saw that on your Twitter. I was like, what What on earth is happening at this Dunkin' Donuts? Check out the video, Instagram, Dan.Sansbury. Uh, Dan. Dude, your Cavs played last night. Yeah, they did. And they won. Yeah, they did. Series is now tied at two apiece. Mm-hmm. I believe that that means that the, that the series now shifts back to Cleveland, Ohio. That is correct. And uh, I know a lot of the national media thinks that, or thought, I guess before last night, that the Cavaliers would not finish the Indiana Pacers off. Are you more confident now? Like, What do you think? Do you think we make it? 
get out of this first round? I woke up this morning and I watched it. I didn't stay up. I, I watched it like on the DVR and kind of fast forward through it at points. So I can't wow. say that I necessarily watched the whole game, but I, I mean, I, I felt like I watched what was important there. Um, uh, you know, they always say that you know winning can cover up a lot. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a strong cologne. Like it can cover things up. But no matter what, you walk up to the Cavs and you smell the cologne of winning at this second. But you also smell that funk on them. You also smell the stale cigarettes. You also smell the weed that the Axe body tray is trying to cover up. It, so like it's not it's not like hey everything's good man right. boy oh boy feeling great after that one because <laughs> you, you'd be crazy to. I mean Cavs won 104-100 and much like in the game three um, pulled out to a really strong first half performance had a big victory or had a, had a big lead going into the halftime there. Uh, they came out in the third quarter and it was just terrible. It was just like uh, frustrating to watch. Looked like a different team coming out. Now obviously they were able to pull it together in the fourth thanks to thanks to some uh, late you know late in the game heroics from Kyle Korver and LeBron James um uh, who got a technical last night get into get into it with Lance Stevenson but it's 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 not what I want to say. It's not crazy for people to think with a three series or three game series left in front of them that the Cavs aren't guaranteed to win this. The Cavs feel very much like to me right now a couple that ends up getting divorced, and we're in that mode right now where if you were really being honest with yourself, you know it's over. Where it's that's the way it feels right now. Where this window is. I, people will. This is the phrase people will use a lot. I think the window might be shutting. I think the window's shut, and I don't think we're willing to admit it just yet. That's kind of how it feels. Like we're in the playoffs, so we're close. But I feel like the window of them being championship able is officially now kind of shut. And I think Game Two kind of shows you that, right? Because he went like he went next level. Forty six. LeBron is he, by the way, and they still couldn't get it done. Like, that's earlier on in his career, dude, when he goes like that, he can normally catapult teams to wins. And so, like, it, now, am I overthinking it? Like, it just kind of feels, now, I didn't watch the game last night, but it kind of feels that way to me where it's like, dude, if we're being honest with ourselves, this marriage is over. Um, LeBron, I had another stellar performance last night at 32, 32 points, 13 rebounds, and 7 Good assists. Night. I mean, yeah, the, the guy is definitely out there playing great basketball. Um, oh, he's but, still great. But but yes, I mean, if you're being honest about it, really, if you're looking at the Cavs as like a relationship and the, and the LeBron story has been like the marriage there, um, I don't know if you want to call it the, the, the honeymoon was the championship or the childbirth was the championship, but that was the moment where it was like, okay, things have changed now. And looking back on it, you can't you can, you can see the points where it's like red flag, red flag, red flag. No wonder this is falling apart. That's kind of how it feels to me. Um, at this point, to me, it, it it feels very much to me that it's like, well, you got what you wanted out of this, and if this is the end of it all. I'm not going to be happy about it, but at the same time, I and I it, 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 it feels so crazy after the Cavs win, having this kind of doom and gloom, like you know, coming to coming to Jesus conversation here. Um, but at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, the town got a title, and LeBron, the greatest basketball player on the planet, gave you another four years of phenomenal basketball to watch. Well, three years of phenomenal basketball to watch, and if it ends with a whimper instead of an explosion, I, I got to live with it. So I was playing golf with my buddy yesterday, and he said to me, "He goes, they can't burn his jerseys this time," and I said, Dustin, yes, they can. Not that they should. I don't feel like you should. I don't get burn the jersey guy. Like, I don't. Uh, 
But yeah. that's who, that's it's human nature. They will burn the jersey. They're, I mean, they're going to burn the jerseys. You know no what I'm saying? What no matter no matter what happened there, if LeBron decided like, hey, dude, I'm done with it. I'm not I'm, I'm not playing basketball anymore. I'm going to call this my last year. I'm retiring. People would be like, oh, I'm burning the jersey. So like, I, 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 you can't make your decisions based on those things. I feel like he came back, thought two in a row would be maybe easy. You, got to, you know what I mean? He still had Kyrie Irving here, there. Maybe we'll do the two, and then that was his plan. I'll win you two, and then I'll get out. And then he realized after you know some stuff went down here. Oh, two. Two might be hard. I got you the one. And it kind of just feels like, to me, and what did he say before this series started? That fan, Well, first of all, actually, the word he used first was winning, and then family would decide. And so I think if you lose this Indiana series, what the, the prediction that I made since preseason is he's out. And I think anything short of a title, I'm sticking with my prediction that I made preseason that he is out. Now, if you if, if, if they screw around and win a title, that's obviously going to change some things. The only thing that I will say that I see if they get knocked out this early, I can see the argument of him sticking around saying, like, no, now I'm going to double down on it. You know what I mean? I can see that play where it's like, well, if I go somewhere else, it's going to tarnish my my, my reputation. If we get knocked out of the first round of the playoffs and I carry and it, I bail. And, 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 and I carry it further uphill and I say, no, doubling down, you know, you guys, you, you know, this is my team. You know what I'm saying? Say all the right things. Do, wow. do, do that. I think that could certainly, and obviously what happened that following year would kind of matter sure. on his reputation, but that would be a good look for him. That would be a good look. Like, okay, I'm zigging when everyone thought I was going to zag. Okay, never thought about it that way. It's a bit of a stretch, too. So that's the reason why you didn't think about it that that's, way. I mean, yeah, that, that's, I mean, that's Cavs fan logic. For sure it is. Yeah, for sure it is. But um, he does zig when you think he's going to zag sometimes, though. That is kind of who he is. And there might be a possibility that that's what he does, where he's like, you know what, dude? If I bail on them after getting bounced first round, that sticks with me forever. You might be right about that. Maybe them losing this series is the best possible best thing. Best possible there. scenario right there. <laughs> Bet you didn't wake up expecting to hear that. We hope the Cavs lose, man. More Stansberry Show is right around the corner. You guys hang on. The Stansberry Show. That guy knows how to party. Rock 106.9. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show. We're on Rock 106.9. Already put New Tour Tuesday uh, halfway together for you for tomorrow. Nice. That'll be at 9 o'clock. Brought to you by the Hard Rock Rock Senior. You get New Kid Cuddy. Yeah. We'll find a country song for you. Yeah. But then uh, a new band called Nothing More. Well, newer-ish band called Nothing More. Do You Really Want It is the is the name of that song that I, uh, that I can't get out of my head after listening to that record as they opened up for Papa Roach the other night at the Cleveland Agora. You know, dude, I feel bad, Fantone. I forgot. I completely forgot to ask you about this, and you did something awesome for Canton the other day, and people should know about it. And I, dude, I completely forgot to ask you, but apparently, you and Project Rebuild were out there Friday covering up the graffiti. So, how did that go? Um, it was really successful, man. It really was. Friday, I made uh made made quick ways out of here after the show and uh, headed down to Project Rebuild. Um, just to give a little bit of backstory, Project Rebuild works with at use. Are at risk, I'm sorry, young adults in the Canton at area. Youth. At youth, um, at at risk, young adults in the Canton area. Um, so 16 to 24, you know, whether they can't find employment, dropped out, whatever the story is, they're trying to get them to be productive members of our community. And one of the things that we were focused on this past weekend for uh, their 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 day of global youth service was covering up graffiti. And our good buddies over at the Canton Charge were able to uh, to send out some volunteers oh, as good. well. So um, we uh, we. Hit, 
what was it? I think three different bridges. Um, one over by Slesnick, which, by the way, had a giant ass fire at last night. I just, like, I'm just now reading about giant this. giant ass fire. Nobody was hurt from what I heard. So fingers crossed, everything's over okay over there. But like, yeah, we were right there, like right by Slesnick, covering up a bunch of graffiti there. Um, we did another bridge. I think it was Navarre and Harrison over there, and a couple other different places throughout the city. I know we took over um, by Schreiber Elementary, and it was cool because we were doing it, and the kids were on recess, and like a bunch of them came over like hey what are you guys doing and we're like we're covering up this graffiti uh, what and, a good opportunity and i just thought they thought it was cool because then we kind of walked around the school too and like cleaned up trash and stuff and like at the end of the day is there still graffiti out there in canton yes is there still trash out there in canton yes did we fix everything no um but uh, we fixed something and hopefully more than anything uh, hopefully- i'm an inspirational poster for well, buddy all journeys start with a single step i love it baby well that's kind of the point too is i hope at least the students that were a part of that kind of took the lesson away of like man you know i can number one make a difference and like number two it doesn't have to be this way the only reason that things suck is because we allow them to and if you did something about it things could be considerably better i remember you saying last week before you guys went out and did it that one of the things you loved about it is that some of these kids were going to be cleaning up their own neighborhoods Mm -hmm. which then when they go home and they live their daily lives and somebody else is doing something there they'll be like dude i just spent all day not making sure that that didn't look like that don't do that right 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 having some accountability to each other having pride in the place where you're from so no, it was really cool, and like I said, man, uh, thank you so much to the Canton Charge who uh, who came out there, and you know, obviously those dudes are not used to uh, to, to being in, being in that area doing that kind of work, and uh, they they came out and they knocked it out of the park. So thank you guys very much. Another uh, celebrity lost their life, oh, Vern no. Troyer, this time. Oh no, Mini Me <sighs> is how the world knew Vern Troyer. Now, yeah, I understand that there was something in the character. Of Austin Powers. I do get it. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was three movies <laughs> worth of something inside of Austin Powers. I, I, I'm done. I know, dude. I know. Mike Myers, to me, literally every time I hear that guy do jokes, all I see is a man beating a horse with a bat and blood coming out of it. That's like that's every time I hear him do no. I make you that? whatever shag I know I got it and like that whole thing I yeah. just see blood coming out of a dead horse. That's all I see. I I don't remember the last time I watched those movies so I can't necessarily say whether they've withheld the but but there was something there there was I mean it was, oh, it they, was a, dude they were the biggest things on the planet it was a phenomenon yeah. I mean like I mean you, like you remember when I, I think he was in the second one Vern Troyer was in the second one but when he came out and it was mini me and they did that dude I mean people lost their minds over it like couldn't couldn't stop it well they like the midgets. What a uh, what what a quotable movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, and well, whether it was or was not quotable, I guess is debatable. But what a quoted movie. You know how yes. many times people? Yeah, baby. Yeah. Oh my god, dude, shut up. <laughs> dude, oh my god, I hate all that stuff. He Mike Myers is a guy who creates. Dude, he's the ACDC of comedians. Right, is what he is. Dude, he's pretty good. Well, yeah, but here, but here's why it's not. Like it, it, <laughs> here's why ACDC sucks. Here's a here's why it's not. Mike Myers is ACDC. He's dude. It's the same joke mm-hmm. for thirty years. Mm-hmm. And dude, it doesn't work as well with jokes as it does with music for me. Yeah, for me. Yeah. And that's why Mike Myers isn't out there. Like I don't know. He's probably got a Hulu show now, like everybody else that I don't know about. I'm sure he's probably got something. But like I just I just have never understood that thing. Now 
Again, Wayne's World, I'll give you that one. I like those. I did. Yeah, but they're a little cheesy. That was like first record, though. You know what I'm saying? That was first, second record. You know, where where, where now it's like, dude, we're around the seventh, eighth. It's like, all right, well. I got to meet Vern Troyer once. I was at the the Radio Music Awards in Vegas. And we were at on like Radio Row where they just keep bringing you celebrity after celebrity. It was like Hulk Hogan we did that day. It's just a bunch Jeez. of people that day, right? <laughs> Mini me and Hulk Hogan, here it comes. <laughs> and so like they just, they, you know, they picked him up. They propped him up on the chair there. And he went to go shake his hand. I was like, dude, I'm going to break this dude's hand in half. Like, I mean, dude, he's like three feet tall. No, I'm, feet I'm sure it was like a little, you know, a little kid like grabbing your hand there. Um, did they mention what he died of? Was this drug overdose? Was this suicide? What, uh, what, ha- what happened to Mini me here? Okay, let's see here. Troyer was reportedly two feet, eight inches tall. Once joked with CNN's Wolf Blitzer that after gaining fame as Mini Me, he would go out in public with a hat and sunglasses on, but it doesn't seem to work. <laughs> uh, let me see here. The statement announcing his death said he had undergone a recent time of adversity. Vern was also a fighter when it came to his own battles, the statement added. Over the years, he struggled and won, struggled and won, struggled and fought some more, but unfortunately, this, uh, this time it was too much. This sounds like drugs. Yeah. Yeah, drugs, alcohol, something like that. And not to be funny about it, but like when you're that small, it probably doesn't take much, right? I mean, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I would, I would. It has. To, it, I would think yes that there's going to be something to that. Motley Crue drummer Tommy Lee tweeted out, "Gonna miss my little buddy at Vern Troyer, R.E.P. Homie. The whole world's gonna miss you." Apparently, those two were super tight. I did not know that. Well, I'm sure not. Tommy liked hanging out with a human who was shorter <laughs> than his own penis. That's what Tommy Lee liked about Vern Troyer. Your shot at $1,000 next on Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansbury Show on Rock 106.9. Your shot at $1,000 momentarily. Also coming up at 8 o'clock, we'll talk to Scott from winningfornextyear.com. Find out whether or not he thinks Lance Stevenson is the dirtiest player in the NBA. Also, with the draft right around the corner, find out what he thinks the Browns might finally do. More and more names keep heating up. I have always been a Sam Darnold guy, but I got to tell you, Josh Rosen moving up my board. Like, dude, last minute, right before the draft, I may change my pick. Dude, Josh Rosen is moving up my board. It gets so exhausting at this time. I don't time. have a board. I don't. <laughs> with these boards and everyone's the board, we're moving things, we're doing things. I don't have a board. Um, you know, I don't get a board. I, uh, I, I wish it started today. You know what I mean? For the next three days, it's just going to be nonstop swirl and rumors. Right? That's, yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah, so. I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait for that, actually. It's, uh, it's an exciting time. So we'll talk to Scott from Winning for Next Year. Dot com coming up at 8 o'clock. Facebook, let's just get this out of the way right now. I would slap my cousin for any amount of money. <laughs> There's literally, dude, you gave would you, 50 cents and I'm smacking his bitch ass. I would sleep literally anywhere for a million dollars. I would eat literally anything for $10 million. Yeah. Go to work. Yes, I would do all of those things for this. Would you slap somebody for $5 million? Yeah. Yeah, I think I probably would. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would. $5 million is a good amount of money right there. Dude, yeah. I got a lot of time on my hands, <laughs> and I mean a lot. I don't have that much time on my hands. I, Although I did get sucked up into this one Facebook phenomenon thing now that people are doing. I got sucked up into it. Okay. Which is this... Every day for like 10 days, you take an album and you're like, I love this album. And okay. here's the reasons why I love this record. So I did it. To, I'm not, Today will be day three. I don't know which one of my 10 I'm going to choose today. The first one, I started my week out with Kisses Hotter Than Hell. I love that record. And then yesterday was day two and I picked Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Damn the Torpedoes, because I love that record. I think it's amazing. 
Well, now, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, I don't have that much time. But at the same time, at least that's something like different and something like where you're giving your opinion and giving some sort of perspective of like who you are. Where well, when, when, you, when, when, when most stuff gets shared, it's just garbage. It's like, yeah, I mean, would we'll you slap your cousin for $5 million? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. What, what are you sharing this for? I would sleep in a it, graveyard. Like, I'm an adult. Graveyards aren't scary to me anymore. At least, at least when it's like, hey, okay, I listen to the Stansberry show. Or even if it's just your friend, this doesn't have to be a media person. I don't need this, but like then at least you have like, oh hey, I like that album too. There's something. It's more than well, just like sharing some crap. I feel like music can it's you can learn who somebody is. Like I can get to know you better by your choices. And again, like some of the people are doing it with a no need for an explanation. Now it was proposed to me, like explain it. And so I think it's kind of cool when somebody kind of tells you why they like a record. I mean, dude, everybody likes Here Comes My Girl by Tom Petty, but like, why? Like, what, you know what I mean? Or like, what's the song on that album that, that you love that maybe some other people may miss on a, on a huge record? Yeah, I, I mean, like it. yeah, no, I, 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 I sign off on that. I think what you're doing is okay. You know, you don't know what your record today is going to be. I don't know. Right. I do have, I, I, I do have a couple of more, obviously, on the list. I, dude, I took time. Like, I sat down. There's a pad at my house. Where I started writing them out, and I've actually crossed certain ones off. Like, nah, that dude, we're gonna go here. Like, I'm taking this way more seriously than I should be. It's like my ACTs. God, why don't we take our show seriously? We should come well, up with a plan or something. To be fair, I'm talking about it right now. <laughs> so look at that. Do want to uh, get into this just a little bit as Nashville, Tennessee, where I I don't think it's all that likely, but I have been trying to reach somebody who I know who lives in Nashville and have been unable to do it for two days, but a gunman had been armed around 3.30 in the morning with an AR-15 at a Waffle House. Um, six people had been shot in total, including two who were killed in the car park. I, I, I guess there was a car parked outside the restaurant. The gunman opened fire on customers inside the Waffle House, killing one, wounding another, who then later died. Two more were wounded and are being treated, I guess, at Vanderbilt. This is uh, Now, again, this article I'm reading is a little delayed. From what I understand, there's still a manhunt out there for the gunman himself. Um, but a customer, like, I guess, like tackled this dude and like had gotten like wrestled the weapon away from him. And his name is James Shaw Jr. And he's being hailed as a hero. And he is. I mean, did you certainly did you stop somebody with an AR-15 when you yourself are not armed? So I know a lot of the anti-gun people have been like on this for like the last 12 hours, kind of posting it. Oh, only a good guy with a gun can stop somebody with a gun, huh? Nobody ever said only a good guy with a gun can stop somebody with a gun. They just said that that is a good way to stop somebody with a gun. Yeah, I, I, I think to I think to ever point at one thing and say like, hey, well, this proves my point. You're really getting yourself in, 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 into in, in troubled waters there, where it's like, how many things can I, how many times can I point at somebody with a gun who stopped more gun violence? Probably countless. I mean, I you know, I, I think there's plenty of plenty of 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 of, of examples. There was of just that. a school officer who did it over the weekend. So, and it's so, wildly underreported. So it's just like somewhere somewhere in the middle is where the, where the truth lies you know what i mean like it's not the only way to do something but it's also at the same time doesn't mean, mean it's invalid because this was it wasn't used exactly in this situation right. exactly right um i guess the shots had stopped and so james shaw jr decided to rush the gunman and actually wrestled the rifle away from him tossed it over the counter at that point and so then the gunman himself then fled um they're saying again this 29 year old man hero saved many lives uh, he had been grazed by the bullet himself, Mr. Shaw had, and um, he said, I was just trying to get myself out. I saw the opportunity, and I pretty much took it. He goes, I was in the ambulance, and I kept on the way to the hospital, and I kept thinking that I'm going to wake up and that this is not going to be real. It felt like something out of a movie. I'm okay, though, but I hate that it happened. 
And again, this was around 3.30 in the morning local time in Nashville um, at the Waffle House. It, uh, you know, obviously a tough place for that guy to be where it's like you just saw people get killed, but you just saved lives. You know what I mean? Like what an emotional roller coaster of. There's going to be some survivor guilt. For of sure. course, man. Sure I mean, will. you know, why didn't I act quicker? And it's like, dude, you literally just saved lives. And he's I'm sure he's second guessing himself and his decisions. The there. assailant had been naked outside of a green jacket. So he was wearing a green jacket. Other than that, naked and carrying the AR-15. And then and again, that's the gut. That's what they're telling me it was. And notice how they are listing it in here. Notice how I'm not calling it an assault weapon. They they, of course, are in this article. I am choosing not to do that because I don't know what an assault weapon is. And so they but I guess he took the green jacket off. He was then without the gun, ran out the uh, the store. According to CNN, as of two hours ago, they had not caught him. I'm sure that will probably break while we were live on the air today. Normally, police can kind of drop a perimeter, get to these kinds of crimes and these kinds of criminals pretty fast. Uh, and a lot of times we've seen. So I would imagine by the time we're done, it will break. Now, they know who this suspect is, right? They, they have like a name. They have everything. I mean, yes, Travis. Travis ranking 29 of Morton, Illinois, is a person of interest in the Waffle House shooting. Uh, vehicle the gunman arrived in is registered to him. Gunman had last seen walking south uh, on um, Mufrisbo Pike. He shed his coat and is nude. Um, if you have any information, they give you the phone number here just in case. I guess I'll give it to you. 615-862-8600. Um, but again, according to CNN... They have not found him as of yet. I am looking now. I'm not seeing any update on that. If you if if, if they catch him before I let you know that, um, will somebody please make us aware? We would greatly appreciate that. Your opportunity at a thousand dollars every single hour this morning on the Stansbury Show. Your next one is right now. Your shot at one thousand dollars now. Text the keyword money to two hundred two hundred. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply. That's money to 200-200. Rock 106. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Sands Ray Show. Rock 106.9. Coming up at 9 o'clock, we have a list of overrated books. Overrated books. One of them is causing some waves. Making some ripples. 9 o'clock, we'll give you that. Miss anything last week? Podcast at WRQK.com. Stick around. We'll talk to Scott from winningfornextyear.com. Get his take on the draft and the Cavs win last night. 8 o'clock is when we'll do that. So I saw this, and um, I've always said that I don't even find myself interesting enough to have a midlife crisis. I don't think my life is interesting enough to even have one of those. And But I'm probably right around the ages where you start to Maybe, maybe have these, right? I would say 40 is the point, right? I mean... Um, I feel as if I went through one a lot earlier than people do, um, and it's kind of what jolted me into action and got me chasing this as a career, was some negative things have happened in, it happened in my family's life. It wasn't even really mine. It was my brother's life. Um, he, he and his wife had lost a child at four months. And it really made me feel guilty. I was like, dude, you've wasted a lot of years of your life doing nothing. And like, look at what you just had to watch happen. You should do. Let's get into action here. I think what you had was a quarter life awakening, not a not a not a half life crisis. Look at that. You know what I mean? Because like, I think that happens a lot is you get into your mid to late 20s and you're like, wait a second. What am I doing with my life here? Floating. I've got to figure I've got to figure this out. That's probably true. where it's like because that turned into something good and positive for you. I think with most times a midlife crisis 
this isn't necessarily from from most people's perspective viewed as as a positive thing. It's usually, hey, I'm going to start engaging in y- younger, riskier behavior. Look at this convertible I got. Right, where you decided, hey, I'm going to engage in a career. Well, you know. Okay. All right. Good. Okay. All right. I like it because that sounds like I did what I was supposed to do. <laughs> I, I I absolutely like it. I guess there are some early signs to a midlife crisis. And then if you're kind of going through a couple of these, you may be heading for one of those. And so they figure out if we tell you this, you may be able to cut it off at the pass. Okay. Now, one of them happens to be that if your hobbies and habits really don't make you happy, you're doing them. You spend a lot of time doing them. You tell people that this is why, what makes you happy. But behind closed doors, you're really not. And they really don't fulfill you. Now, I felt good about this being on the list because I don't know if I... I don't really have a ton of hobbies or habits. Golf is definitely a hobby I have, and it does make me happy. Like, I do really enjoy it. Now, it can be a struggle when things aren't going well, but when you play, but when you do, when you master a hole, when you get a hole well and you score well, it does really make me happy. Good shots make me happy. Yeah, I don't think it's to mean that there's not going to be frustrations with it. I think it's going to be like, do you find a sense of purpose in it? Do you find a sense of, like, you and know, of contentment in it? What is your hobby? Um, I mean, honestly, at this point, I know it kind of sounds like a little cliched, but like at this point, I feel like my hobby is probably giving back. Like at this point, like where it's like where I feel like, hey, I go to do something that's outside of my job. I do something that's outside of what I view as necessarily like my social life or something like that. And it's something that I can just like go, you know, do do without other people, without other things. They say if your um, if your hobbies and habits are not making you happy, switch them up, run a half marathon. Um, I guess there's a program online called Habit List that can help you track your new habits until they become second nature. I know the gym is another one of these for people. Now, that's a hobby and a habit, I suppose, that I also have, and it does make me happy. Now, I got I was just telling Fantone right before the, we, we came back on that I was really lazy last week with the gym, and I mean really lazy. By that, I mean I normally go four or five times a week. I was there, I think, twice last week. That's la- For me, that's lazy at the gym. Um, I also allowed myself to get some to, to allow the food to get out of control twice last week. That's rare for me. So this week I am about getting you know zeroed back in, focused because I could totally tell a difference in my attitude and my sluggishness this last week versus some previous weeks. Well, and I think more than anything though is that like you know you had the initial push of like, hey, I'm going to make a positive decision in my life. I'm going to make a change. I'm going to do something good for myself. And then once that kind of stops being new, it's hard to keep that momentum going. You know what I mean? Like where it's like, well, yeah, now I feel good about it because it's the first day. The second day's good. The third day's good. But it's like, dude, that that seventieth day, it's like, all right, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Another indicator that you may be heading for a midlife crisis is is that, and I, you you'll see this a lot is that people, you'll start to worry that an underling is going to steal your job. If you get super protective about the place you work mm. and you're worried people are gunning for your position, that that is a, a sign that you may be heading for a midlife crisis because you're starting to get a little older, you're facing your mortality, right. you start to feel a little bit more worthless in your own life, sadly, and that you think that that is exactly how everybody necessarily feels about you, but it's probably not. Yeah, somebody's coming to usurp the throne there. Somebody's coming to take it from now, you. Now, what I will say to the older uh, members of the audience is this is that the world has kind of swapped on you a little. That it seemed to be like when I was younger, 
that you would value an older employee because you have been through a little bit more, that you have life experience, that you've that you've been in work scenarios, been you knew how to handle things. Where now it's young and cheap is the business model in America today. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think you can point to to, to pluses and, and minuses for both of those systems there. But like, what I will say about that is like, I think sometimes older people get like used to this, like, well, I'm old, everyone's gonna think that I'm the best, and it's like, well, if you're not, you know, I mean, like, if you, you can't say if you can't do the job anymore. Like, we don't want you here. I would agree with that. Another indicator you're heading for a midlife crisis is you worry that your wife does not find you sexy anymore. Now, I would imagine I'm getting this from men's health. I would imagine that this would be true for women, too. Yeah. Um, and I know that they go through that quite a bit. Now, again, I think isn't part of this just natural, though? Yeah. I, I think guys are so good at putting their head in the sand about this where you bring up women and they deal with it every day where I think most dudes can probably like, you know, whatever, I'm married. Yeah, whatever. I've got a girlfriend. Yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm still getting laid. It's still fine or whatever. And then you wake up one day at 45 and you look down and it's like, oh my God, how did it get like this? Where I think women do that and have that oh my God moment every day. Guys, it's just like one day you wake up and it's like, smacked with it. this got out of control. You're probably right about that. I would imagine that you're absolutely right that women probably focus on it more day in yeah. and day out and are forced to kind of face it day in and day out, and men are just kind of smacked in the face with it occasionally. Another indicator here you're headed for a midlife crisis is that your college plan of being a novelist is haunting your dreams. Now, again, most of you probably didn't think about being a novelist, but there was something along yeah. the line somewhere that you were like, you know, I want to do this. And this is, I guess, this is going to sound like something that sounds easy for a guy like me to say because I do exactly what I want. But I can tell you that all in, I've lived in my car to make this dream happen. I have gone through, dude, I've been out of work. I've, dude, I've struggled. I have gone through so much BS to be the dude that tells truth to public on the radio. But in the end, it was all worth it. It didn't feel like it going through it. And I always say to people about movies, about people chasing their dreams, that they make chasing your dreams and your artistic dream look so romantic, and it's not romantic. It's honestly just sad and broke is really the way you end up. But the truth is, is that even on days like today where I didn't really want to come home to work, I wanted to be here more than you want to go to where you work. And there is something rewarding about legitimately chasing something that you desire. There's something rewarding about it. And it, I think it's good for you. Yeah, and I, I feel the same way about doing anything creatively, like whether your dream was to be Paint, the, the novelist or, or whether you wanted to be in a band or whatever you wanted to do there. I mean, I just think at this point, though, you gotta you have to be realistic with what your expectations of that are. And I mean, like, I, I know it worked out for you and I, but there's so many people who are like, well, man, I wish I would have been in a band when I was younger. You can't quit your job and just go be in a band and hope that, like, dude, fingers crossed, we're going to make it. It's like, dude, you're 46 years old. If you want to start, a, if you want to start a garage band, dude, and you want to play, you Covers, know, right, it. and you want to play First Friday and you want to, you want to, but like, dude, if, if, if you think you're going to just pick up the axe and, and start shredding it again and like, dude, you're just all of a sudden going to get signed, you're, you're delusional. But there was something in you somewhere along the line that you allowed life to beat it out of you you know yeah. what i mean like you allowed you allowed this dream you know what i mean and like I, okay i'll give you it's not really a dream it, it was something that could have been bought okay but i remember i don't know i was like in my early 20s my dad bought a brand new harley davidson road king he had wanted it his entire life and it made him so happy to have bought it and to had it like, even just standing in the garage looking at it, when he was done riding it, you could see the look of joy on this grown man's face looked like a little boy. And I, I, I'll never forget, I said to him, it's like, Dad, if you wanted this thing 
so bad and it makes you this happy, why on earth did you wait this long to buy it? And he looked at me and he said, this is not your fault, Daniel, but I had you instead. Yeah, but you, yeah, it's totally <laughs> your fault, you fat idiot. Like, yes, dummy, what do you think? Like- Be- because I had you instead. I had to worry about you. And so that's what I'm saying is like sometimes life just kind of knocks you off pace of what it is would make you happy. And that can be dangerous because I think like my parents probably did a good job at it, but nobody's perfect at it of, dude, you're going to regret the things in life or, or you're going to not regret. That's not the right thing, but you are going to maybe place blame on these things in life that knocked you off of what you wanted. It's a balancing act like anything else in life, because like, yes, there is a part of me that says like, well, what did you wait so long for? Go get that motorcycle. Go do that today. But he's like, well, I had to buy groceries instead. Right. And now that my boys are old enough where they're, you know, now they're taking care of themselves. Now I can do that because I think a lot of people have a hard time with that because on one hand, you, you don't want to sacrifice everything that makes you your own individual person just because now you're a parent, but it's like, you have to sacrifice big pieces of you. Sure. And like, it's, 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 I guess every parent's own like you know decision there of like well where do I prioritize my dreams my goals my things versus my children and s- somewhere along the line you're right that's going to be an unbalanced equation and there is going to be a little bit of like well I had to give this up for you I'll never I mean dude the look on his face just pure joy of owning that thing do you feel like I mean and I know I know the you know the stereotype of it and like maybe the the the, the public you know thought on it is that like a midlife crisis is a bad thing. I, I don't I don't know. Like we're reading all this stuff and I'm thinking about this and it's like there's a little bit of me that's like, well, dude, you it know. depends what you do with it. It depends how you react to it. I don't think it's necessarily a positive or a negative. I think it can be either. But I think an awakening that 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 you're starting the back nine of your life versus the beginning of it, and you know what, let's not waste this, can be very good. Yeah, I guess when you go through that, it's like, yeah, that sounds good. Like, hey, go buy your motorcycle, go take Live. the trip, right? You know, you you know, do those things. But then there's the flip side of that, where it's like guys are hearing that, and they're thinking like, oh, buy a sports car, go grossly in debt, cheat on my wife, do all these things. And it's like, well, that's not, that. those are two different, you know. I, I had to learn this from another person, actually, and that's what other people are for, is to enrich your life, make you better and smarter than you were before. And there was a woman that I had spent a lot of time with um, who I liked a great deal and her whole philosophy on life was live before you die and she kind of noticed in me she's like look she's like you've spent your life chasing a career and you've 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 accomplished it and it's great she's like but I just feel like there's some living inside your actual life that you missed out on that you're not doing and ever since then I mean it was like seven eight years ago and ever since then i've just been like conscious of like no dude like let's try to get some more stuff in there and i've tried to adapt her philosophy of live before i die it's just one of those things dude she it really took another person to kind of like force me into that the number one indicator they say that men are headed for a midlife crisis and i've kind of been through this one where it's you want to spend your saturdays playing football not watching college football now football wouldn't be it but the amount of times I've grabbed, like I've grabbed a basketball, but like I'm gonna go shoot some hoops, and I find myself at the Y, like shooting some hoops. And you know why that is? Because I know I have no business out there shooting hoops. And there is something that feels like, dude, I better go do this before I can never do it ever again. And I feel like, yes, that is absolutely with physical activity in men, that is part of it. Where it's like, you know what? Let's dust that pigskin off in the closet, go toss it around before Thanksgiving. That is absolutely you trying to recapture some of your youth, which I would imagine, yes, is an indicator that a midlife crisis may be heading your way. More Sansbury Show next on Rock 1069. 
Healthy Boys brought popcorn. The Stansberry Show. Because I'm about to put on a show. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to The Stansberry Show and Rock 106.9. Win yourself at $1,000.810 this morning. You'll uh, get hooked up with your keyword after we talk to Scott from winningfornextyear.com. Do that. Fiatone just sent me this from thecantonrep.com. Good news. This is good news. That in the year 2017, last year, the Stark County overdose death rate dropped 27%. We'll put it another way for you. 32 fewer locals had died from unintentional overdoses in 2017. Now, why that's important? You're saying 32 is not that many. It's the first decrease in four years. First decrease in four years. Number either went up or held steady. Who, who, if you don't think 32 people in Canton, Ohio, not dying, 32 families that don't have to have a funeral, what? I I am on your side Jeez, of that, but there dude. are going to be people who go, that's not that many. I and <laughs> okay, I, I I I think it's actually quite a bit of people if if you were to ask me. Yeah, but more impressingly to me is that it's the first decrease we've seen in four years. Now. Experts full-on admit they're not sure why yet, okay? But they will speculate. And you and I will talk needle exchange sometimes mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, Narcan and this stuff. They think, they do feel as if the widespread use of the overdose, ana, you know, antidote, uh, naloxone, I believe is what it's called, or Narcan, um, is part of the reason why. Of course. Now, when we talk these things, needle exchange and all, like, these um, you know, maybe not legalization, but you do what Sweden did, which is you you create these places where people come and they shoot up in the morning, and then that you go and they're they're not carrying drugs with them all day, and this and that, and people get very very angry, and wh- they always say, "I'm not cutting these addicts any breaks. We need to take a hard line." And then I always get yelled at, right? Because I'm like, well, maybe what we should do is look into this and look into this and look into this, right? And I want to make this clear. I was actually thinking about this over the weekend and before I even read this. That I want to make this clear. That my initial thought is probably more along that line of screw them, kind of did the, the did it to themselves, blah. blah. I, that's that's my like inside. That's who I probably am mostly inside. My problem with being that deep in that camp now is we've seen where that goes. We've done the we've done the round them up, lock them up, harsh judge, send people to jail, and it's not working. So even though that that's what my belief system is or what I thought we should be doing, if it doesn't work, we have to examine something else. Changing your belief system based on evidence, Stansberry. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to fly in 2018, my friend. I don't I don't know how it's going to work. I want to take a hard punishment line. And yes, critics and naysayers, I do agree with you that on some level, I've only got so much sympathy for the drug addict because you did kind of do something to yourself here. And people, I know, what people are going to say to me is, well, what about the doctor that got them hooked on painkills and now they're on heroin? I, again, maintain that, yes, you have probably been overprescribed opiates, but once you stopped taking the pills and you were on the street looking for heroin, you knew you should have called somebody else to get something else done in your life. You did know that at that point, right? We can all kind of agree there. But as much as I want to take a hard line, we've tried it. I, I, I think it's important to note here, too, that, like, 
Negative consequences and like punishment should not be out of the equation. If you're asking me as somebody who's like, oh, look at this libtard over here. I'm not like, no, absolutely no jail terms. This is not where it like, no, there has to be some sort of negative deterrent to people. So I, I think that's very fair to say. And like the thing with this is and like this is very promising numbers. And obviously that year has gone by. And I think right now you, you, you look at <clears throat> the public information and it doesn't seem like there's been that many lives lost this year in it. But this could change on a moment's notice. All it's going to take is one bad batch of heroin to come into town. And all of a sudden, this positive forward Fentanyl. momentum is gone. Yeah. I So, like, I get the hardliners. I really do. I totally understand it. Because that's, like, inside, that's what I, that's who I always was. But when you keep doing, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. This is, we've done the punishment thing over and over. That's how, where we started. And, and that's what got us here. I mean, and at the end of the day, uh, my goal with this whole thing is to have less people addicted to opioids. You know what I'm saying? That's what my goal is. If your goal is to punish addicts, I guess we're going to have different different, different priority lists there. On of how like, we go where of we how, Of how we right. go and what we're going to end up happening there. I would I would absolutely agree with that. I think a 27% decrease in these 32 fewer local deaths in last year, first drop we've seen in four years, is at least somewhat of a positive note inside of what is normally an awful repeated story. Thank you so much to the Canton first responders, whether you're a Canton police, whether yes. you're, you know, our Stark County first responders, I guess I go. should say, whether you're out there in an ambulance taking care of these people, this is obviously an indicator of a job well done to you guys. Yeah, you Thank guys, you. You guys are out there doing it and doing it well. We'll talk to Scott from winningfornextyear.com. Also get you hooked up with $1,000. That's next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. All right. I like it. I like it a lot. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show. We're on Rock 106.9. We have $1,000. We'll pass that out momentarily. The more important thing we have to get to, though, is Scott from winningfornextyear.com. Buddy, how are you? Damn right I'm more important than $1,000. Yeah, damn right. <laughs> well, here's what I know. If I gave you that $1,000, you'd buy a limited pair of, like, bronze or something. You're, like, the biggest <laughs> shoe whore I've ever met in my life. Eh, you know, we, we all have our things. I know. Just mess with me about my golf clubs. I know. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Follow Scott on Twitter, Scott, at WFNY. Um, so buddy Cavaliers big win last night four uh, four points there uh, I hear they looked a little flat to start got it kind of together in the end I asked Fantone this question to start the show out this morning so I'll ask you do you feel confident they come out of this series against Indiana they should uh, Vegas thinks they did the Vegas had them as odds on to win the series yesterday yeah. before the before the game I even started that, yeah. so I mean if you know they they should win this series um, you know outside of the thing I think fans need to kind of understand is the 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 series of the, the first rounds of the past where we just kind of blew through the East and they and they just mowed over teams in the first round. You know, Indiana last year specifically. Um, you know, those days are kind of gone. The East has gotten a lot tougher. If you look across the entire conference, I think every series is is just two two. I'm gonna say if my if my memory serves. So it is. Uh, it's it's a much tougher road these days. So, you know, these close games aren't necessarily the worst thing in the world. Um, you, you want them to be playing better. You want them to not give up double-digit leads at halftime in the third quarter. You know, they were, they were up 10 at the half, and they went into the fourth up two, I believe. Um, you know, you would, you would prefer it, it be less in the way of heart palpitations, but they should 
win this series, uh, you know, starting with uh, Game 5 in Cleveland this week. It's funny how, you know, Cavaliers fans of two years ago, last year, you know, they swept through the first, second, third round of, of the East, and all of a sudden everyone's like, well, you know what the problem is? Is they don't have enough adversity, you know, not enough bad things happening to them, and now it's like, you know, oh, yeah. there's a little bit of grit and grind in front oh, yeah. of them, and now it's like, no, I they can't do that. it, press the panic button. Um, But no, you bring up a good point there, Scott, and the third quarter has been a problem for the Cavaliers. I feel like, uh, you know, at least during this series, where they have such a strong, you know, opening half, and then they come out, and they just seem... I don't know if it's flat. I don't know if it's it, it's tired. I don't know what it is there, but in the third quarter, they always seem to struggle. Is that a coaching problem at its core? No, you know, I don't know, because it seems like, I mean, Mike Brown had it. Um, you know, I, I feel like we we see teams just do that all the time, and I don't know if it's it, if it's an energy thing. If they if they they do so much towards the end of that first half that you know they 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 come out a little flat in the third quarter, and then other teams are enacting their quote unquote halftime adjustments. You know, I don't I don't know. The, the the troubling part is it's all offensive, right? It's not even a a defensive thing. If they came out flat defensively then you could be like, well, that's, that's 100% fatigue because they're just not able to get to where the spots they need to be in and things like that. But they're just not hitting shots for whatever reason. And it, it, is, it, is, a bit, it is a bit nerve-wracking. Um, and LeBron even said post-game he has no idea what the, what the answer is. Um, they just need that, that starting group to, uh, to, to play a bit better. Um, you know, and again, it's, it's the 33rd starting unit they've used this season, the one they deployed last night. That starting five they used last night had not started together at all in the entire season. That's that's, so, that's wild. You know, so, so to that's do that in game, game four of the playoffs is a uh, is a tricky maneuver to do, so it's tough to blame that on coaching when you have, when you have so many other moving pieces. Well, why did Kevin Love struggle so much last night? He looked frustrated. Um, the fouls really got to him, it appeared. I, did, you know, I clearly wasn't there, so I didn't get to talk to him, but he, you know, he was really bothered by that second foul to the point more so where um, he, when he had his third foul, he felt he got fouled underneath, didn't get the call, ran down, fouled Victor Oladipo right away, and that was his third. Um, you know, and he, it looked like they were jawing at each other, but it sounds like they were. It was Kevin just venting about how pissy he was about not getting the call he thought he should get underneath. And then when when he he, he kind of got in himself a little bit, I think, and just the shots just weren't gonna weren't falling. You know, they were. You know, Kyle was ice cold in that first half, and and pulled out of it to be the, the hero of sorts in the second half. I thought we could see that from Kevin. I was hoping we could see that from Kevin. Um, but uh, you know, clearly, he's uh, he's struggling with the shot. You know, through all four games. You know, he had, he's had you know one good game, I guess you could say. But three really, really bad ones from uh, from an offensive standpoint. You would hope, you know, as we talk about a big two or even big three, you know, he's one of those guys that has to snap out of it, you know, for this team to sustain long term. I think they can get by short term if he he has kind of up and down games. But once the competition gets tougher, they're going to need him to figure it out. We're talking to Scott from WaitingForNextYear.com. Uh, Fantone and I were actually talking Cavs a little earlier on the program. And uh, sorry to have done that without you, buddy. And uh, <laughs> we were, uh, and I had made the preseason prediction that LeBron's out no matter what. Now, if you win the title, that's not no matter what. It probably you know reassesses and stays. But I asked Fantone this question, and I guess I'm interested to hear what your answer is because his kind of blew me away. I said, "Well, if, dude, if he gets bounced first round of the playoffs, he's obviously out." And Fantone said to me, "He's like, I don't know, dude. He's like, maybe if you get bounced the first round, what you do is you double down and go, okay, that can't be my Cleveland legacy. Now I have to come back and make sure that we do better than that.' What's your take on that? 
Yeah, I mean, it could be. Um, yeah, I think it's just kind of falls in line with we're trying to all see, think what LeBron's thinking. And as, as I think history has indicated at any point, we don't know. Um, sure. You know, I think the worst look out of all of them would be if they get bounced by Philly and then he goes to Philly. Um, yeah, you know, so that, you know, from a, if you're talking legacy and kind of fan fiction standpoint, um, I would put that one probably on top of the, the one you laid out. But uh, I, I, I don't see him letting this team lose in the first round. But I, I, I agree that would not be a, that would not be a way to uh, to uh, to leave. Now he did he did kind of dan- dance around that a little bit yesterday. He said his legacy is beyond basketball. So I, I you know he's he's saying you know whatever whatever decisions he makes basketball wise, you know are, are not going to be his lasting legacy, which is fine, um, big picture. But I. I find a Cleveland fan and tell him that your legacy wasn't about Miami in 2010. And I, you know, I, I think, I think we all kind of tend to believe a little differently when it comes to that kind of stuff. But I, uh, um, yeah, I, 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 I don't see, I don't see the team losing in the first round, but I also don't see him leaving if they, if they did, I think that would be a, that would be a tough go. I, I think that would be a go, uh, a, a very tough go. So we're talking to Scott from money for next year.com draft right around the corner Thursday Browns on the clock. Um, Sam Darnold's making the rounds on, on on TV today. I've been a Darnold guy from from the beginning, but I got to tell you, dude, I'm being I'm as guilty as everybody else with this. Now here we are, week of, and I'm like, I don't know, maybe I want Rosen, and like so, like, dude, Rosen is skyrocketing up my board right now. Not that I have a board. Why? I don't get a board. Do you have a board? I do not have a board. I the, I, I I enjoy the draft, but I to analyze these guys, I think is, I you know, I I give credit to all the waiting for next year guys who do a terrific job of it. Um, I feel like anal- analyzing, you know, upwards of a hundred guys for your team probably landing two or three of those is kind of tough. Uh, but why, I guess I get my question shoot back at you. Uh, why, why Rosa? Um, because I'm because it's because it's a toss up between these two, and I guess I'm just worried about being wrong. And I don't know why I'm wrong a ton, <laughs> but he is probably the most polished, ready to go now. And really, I'll tell you why he's moving up my board. Honestly, I do have an answer. Is because I had miss I maybe misread Josh Rosen, and for those of people that don't know, he was the quarterback at UCLA. He's a little California cool. He's a little cocky. They asked him once why he plays, and he's like, "Because I'm good at it." Like, and so I worried what was going to happen there, Scott, is that I was going to get a Jamarcus Russell, got a cannon. The physical mechanics are all over it. Can put the ball anywhere you want. Dude, he's got the ability. Right, but that the work ethic wasn't going to be there. That it was going to be like, ah, dude, my ability will carry me, and we've seen that movie with Johnny Manziel. And so, like, I was a little worried that it was going to be a little bit of that. Now, guys who I know who are a little bit more tied into this swear to me that that's not who this kid is, and that he's a workhorse. So, if that's the case, the more polished passer with the better release might be the way to go, right? Maybe. Um, you know, again, I, I I think the and this is where fans. Really, you know, when, when we're talking about, you know, analyzing the guys, we don't get to talk to them. Mm-hmm. And that's a really big part in my mind about, you know, Headspace, picking yeah. some of these kids. I mean, they, yeah, they, you know, getting in their head, figuring out, throwing some questions at them. And not those dumb questions like, you know, that, that you hear all these, all these hypotheticals and stuff. Just, just talk to these kids and see what they're made of, I think, could go a long way. I mean, they didn't interview Justin Gilbert. You know what I mean, and then look and look where look where that pick went. Not not saying every kid you don't talk to is going to be a huge failure, but that's a, that's a big part of it. And I think, you know, getting them in a room, I mean, not even together, but I mean, maybe that, if they want to do it together, fine. But just figuring out how they just go about their day to day things and how they approach and similar not non football questions. I think you can get a lot out of. So I don't know. I'm still Darnold, um, 
I think they're going Darnold. I think all this other stuff is kind of been a smoke screen, especially the Allen stuff. The fourth, the fourth pick is going to be where I think the questions lie. I uh, I do too. As we're talking to Scott from Winning for Next Year dot com, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you a question. I don't know if you know the answer to, um, and, and, and I don't know. Maybe we'll be embarrassed together. But the, <laughs> but, the, but the draft does start Thursday night. Is there any way possible I could talk you into another segment Friday morning eight a.m. to kind of wrap up what happened first night of the draft? Are you available Friday at eight? Uh, looking at my calendar right now, I am. Okay. Got a lot going on, do you, Scott? <laughs> I actually, as it's funny you mentioned, I have something going on every other Monday and evening from here until past the draft. So you, you guys, you guys got me on a good one. All nice. right, we will uh, we will talk to you again then Friday morning, eight o'clock, and figure out what has gone down with the first night of the draft. That's Scott from WinningForNextYear.com. WinningForNextYear.com. Make sure you check that website every single day, Scott. Thank you, buddy. We'll talk to you again Friday at eight. Pleasure's mine. Thank you. Absolutely. You're shot at $1,000 right now. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show. We're on Rock 106.9. dot com. Pass out $1,000.910. Also have some tickets for Operation Reaching the Summit, which is Saturday. Summit County Fairgrounds says it's a combination of midget wrestling, mm-hmm. some OCW wrestling, mm-hmm. some MMA action. Mm-hmm. Josh Rock and Roller is going to be oh, there. you know it, baby. That guy's got to be the happiest dude in like Northeast <laughs> Ohio. That, guy, that guy's got more press lately than maybe anybody in the state outside of uh, LeBron James there. Operation Reaching the Summit going to be an awesome, awesome, awesome event, man. Uh, one ticket's going to get you into all those things right there. So, like, dude, if you're looking for something to do this weekend, you got no better option. Um, and I'm just going to tell you right now, after everything that happened in the OCW arena this past weekend, I cannot wait to see the new OCW heavyweight champion. That is no shame, Jimmy Shane, right there. New champ, baby. New champ. Oh god. <laughs> you want to know how he did it? I'll tell you. Oh my god. <laughs> he won the Infinity Gauntlet match. He he cashed in his brass ring and he beat Juice Jennings right in the middle of the squared circle. One, two, three, baby. New champ. If your night is spent doing anything against <laughs> Juice Jennings, I don't think you can be called a champion of anything. I don't. I don't. I guess I don't. I can't wait to see it Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. And baby. by see it, I mean stand in line for beer when that's going on. <laughs> that's what I mean by it. Um, I guess Kate Middleton gave birth to a boy. Who cares? I, th- I'm of, of the people that do not care. Who cares? Um, but I'm imagining Twitter's going to lose its mind over the fact that we just now, the world has another rich white dude like, being born. I, I guess that'll be the thing. I don't care what she has. I don't care. I don't know why they're a big deal. I don't get it at all. She's hot. I'll give Kate Middleton that. She's sexy. But, like, I don't understand like, the obsession with the royal family at all. Like, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, like, that was the whole purpose of America was to not pay attention to those people, to not have to care about some kid being born. I, do, I, I, I There's very little in the world that I care less about. I don't understand that at all. But that did happen. Should at least let you know that happened. There's a woman online yeah. who's trying to uh, convince me via Twitter because she knows I've been, uh, you know, in the gym, dieting, doing a little bit better with the food. Mm-hmm. Slipped a little this last week. We're going to get back on track this week. And uh, she's trying to convince me to go plant-based. And I tried it once because I have a buddy who's like a complete vegan. And he was like, dude, bro, I'm telling you, like, it's one of these things. And all vegans do this. They all do this. Once you make it through the first nine months of it, then you like it. And it's like, dude, if I got to go through six, nine months of pain, like, then no. Yeah, if I have to go through a pregnancy to come out on the other side better of it, no thank you. And I feel as if, and I don't feel it, it's true, it's fact, you can search it. 
the 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 beef industry has been wildly attacked and irresponsibly attacked in this country. First of all, we're finding out more and more about cholesterol. Nowhere near as bad for you as we originally thought. Beef, nowhere near as bad for your body and your cholesterol levels as once originally thought. That was actually science lying to you because they were paid to. And again, I have been going back to this. It's the sugar industry's the real demonizing body. And it's really the sugar industry that is the one that's destroying your body from the inside out. If you buy grass-fed beef, it is absolutely Absolutely perfectly healthy for you. There is nothing wrong with grass-fed beef. As a matter of fact, they say now it's one of the healthiest things you can eat. A vast majority of beef, not grass-fed, though. Yeah, but you but that's just it. You gotta go search it out. So no, if you eat hot dogs, then yes, then the meat industry probably not so great. Processed food like that, but that could be said about all food. But I'm not gonna do raw food and the drinking of whatever that dirt mud shake thing is. Dude, I tried it. It's awful. And this is what I tell people who are on fitness goals or want to do this. If you do things that make you absolutely miserable while you're doing them, you'll never make it. You have got to find this balance of what you can still have and give yourself a little bit of what you still need to keep you on track. But the beef industry has been wildly attacked by people who think it's mean to kill things that walk. That's it. There's absolutely nothing. And if that's what you think, that's fine. That's a valid opinion. But pretending that beef is this awful thing for you because you think it's mean to kill something that walks is a completely different argument. It's just been spread of lie after lie after lie about the beef industry. It's nowhere near what people tell you it is. It's much like, dude, it's a lot like the gun issue. It's very much like the gun issue. People have a very small piece of information, just enough to be dangerous, and then they attack everybody who thinks differently than they do about it. More Stansberry Show right around the corner. You guys hang on. The Stansberry Show. Canton's Rock Station. Rock 106.9. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Sands Ray Show. We're on Rock 106.9. Uh, I'm still checking. I believe this manhunt's still underway for this mm-hmm. guy in Nashville that uh, shot up the Waffle House around 3.30 in the morning naked. And then, like, a hero tackled the guy in between some gunfire and, like, wrestled the gun away from him, threw it over the counter. I, uh, the naked thing's kind of funny to me. I mean, not, like, funny, but, like, it's weird in the sense of, like, this dude was wearing a jacket and nothing else. A green jacket and nothing else. And, and that's such a, like... Such a terrible look on dudes to be naked from the bottom down, but the top up, you're still wearing something. Like, what happened there? Like, why did that dude take his pay? Like, what what happened? I thought it might have been initially Patrick Reed who just won the Masters because it was like a green jacket and the guy was naked. That sounds like sounds like what you do when you win a tournament. But yeah, I don't know what's going on there. They uh, manhunt underway. They still have not, uh, according to everything I'm reading, still have not found him as of yet. Over the weekend, I was uh. I worked at an event for Dunkin' Donuts. Mm-hmm. New one out there. Mm-hmm. Erie Street's out there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Navarre, Maslin, flip a coin, decide. <sighs> People are get upset about street. that one. Right? And this woman brought a monkey. And like I got to pet the monkey. And the video, you can actually see it at Facebook.com slash Sansbury Show. It's also on my Instagram. Dan.Sansbury is how you find my Instagram. And uh, I went back and I was reading some of the comments. And there's a, a guy listener... Who like tagged a bunch of his buddies in it, right. and I think it's under the guise of "See, this is exactly what I'm talking about. This guy's total puss." Because I thought it was like awesome that I got to pet a monkey, and I think that they're trying to like make it sound, make me sound like I'm weak because I enjoyed being near an animal I don't normally get to see. Like, dude, that's see. Here's the thing. Like, and I actually thought about when I posted that picture of that monkey on Instagram. Right. I said this should be the bar. 
This should be the bar for Instagram right here. A monkey. Like, legitimately, I don't know about monkey, (laughs) but like, legitimately, I was not expecting to see that. You will not encounter this today. Look at this. Something outside the norm, something truly special, as opposed to just like. uh, Yo, dude, look at this appetizer. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that should be the line. And then it got me thinking all weekend. I demonize these things constantly. Mm -hmm. Facebook, Snapchat, Mm -hmm. Instagram, Twitter. I demonize them constantly, even though I use them as much as anybody else, if not more. Probably more, yeah. Probably more, right? But I demonize them. And then I thought about it. It's like, dude, this this is it. You know what social media is? It's that phrase from the Bible everybody gets wrong. Is that, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Right? But what do people say? Money's the root of all evil. And I always hate when you change that because it changes the responsibility of the evil. The evil is in you. It's not the object. Well, I feel like I've been guilty about the same thing with social media. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, it's social media. Dude, for, for the, dude, social media is n- n- not evil for the love of it makes it evil. Yeah, I mean, it's what you do with it in your hand. I mean, it's the gun argument. It is, where it's like, it's not inherently a good or a bad thing on its own. It is just a thing. I mean, it's just it's just a website, but like, yeah, no, the usage of it is definitely going to, you know, the way we've used it, I guess, is, is the better way to say it. The way we've embraced it, the way that we've decided to use what should be an amazing tool in all of our pockets, the ability to reach out and talk to people, communicate with people, share things about your life, has turned into a disgusting mess dude and 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 I'm, I'm glad we're here because honestly this i feel like is a great a great segue into what i want to be pissed about right now oh um, i didn't even know this oh, What's yeah, happening? no 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 no, no, no. What's but, happening? but you set me up for it so i'm gonna take it buddy um as you know as as we talked about earlier in the show this morning i uh i work with a nonprofit called project rebuild it's in downtown canton ohio and this past weekend we went out on a graffiti cover-up mission i was okay. friday it was their international day of service now the canton repository did some great coverage for for us. They gave us a little bit of pre-coverage to kind of get the message out there that, hey, we were going to do this. And when we were out there, you know, a photographer came out, took pictures, and they did a little write-up for us. It was in Saturday's paper. It was great. Thank you so much to the Canton Repository. Really, really appreciate that. But, of course, within any, you know, media organization, they're going to share things on their Facebook wall. So, you know, they uh, they shared this story on their Facebook wall, the initial one, and there was this dude who's like... Pfft can't believe you guys are going to go out there and suppress the voice of artists. Can't believe you guys are going to go out there on a mission of censorship. You should be more worried about what your students are doing as opposed to what these artists are doing and blah, 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 blah. Now, mind you, when we went out there, what were we covering up? Graffiti with, with, with vulgarness in it. Graffiti, I mean, graffiti, uh, crime essentially is what we were covering up in, in that, in that you did not have permission from that business owner to go do that. So at the end of the day, that's what's happening. So the Can Repository posts I up, hate people. Can Repository posts up this story of like, Hey, posted it up, uh, it was, I believe, 12 hours ago. And hey, cleanup crew tackles Canton graffiti. It's got a picture of my dude Brady there. Gives us a really good write-up. Talks about the Canton charge. Very happy to have all those people uh, involved. So now this dude, Mark, comes back in here. The same guy that was complaining in the, pre- in the pre-story about, like, we'll stop doing it. Mark says... Now if we can clean up the bandwidth of that offensive drivel leaking out of WRQK. People listen to 106.9 and form a stereotype of the people of Canton. It's time to cut the mullet, wash your Guns N' Roses concert t-shirt, and stop wearing pajama bottoms with fuzzy slippers to the dollar store at 4 
o'clock in the afternoon. I don't disagree with that last part. That's all good stuff, Mark. I will not lie to you. We <laughs> I, do I need don't to disagree stop with that, that last part, Mark. They well can, done. They can take their negative stereotype of Canton and its youth back to the White Snake themed bedroom to quote the Who. The kids are all right, oh, Mark. My. What are you? What are you talking about, bro? What I'm about. To, I'm about to lose my job over FCC regulations. What the f are you talking about? Well, bro? he just he contradicted himself in his answer, and he just wanted to say the Who. That's. I mean, that's. I mean, and, and, and you can tell that. First of all, let's clear. Let's clear a few things up. Okay. Nobody's suppressing an artist. No. As a former business owner, no. if you draw on my goddamn building without my, what you're doing is suppressing my ability to sell a product. You're not an artist. You want to be an artist? Then get a god. Oh. Here's the thing. I love, 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 love graffiti. Okay? I love the art form of it. But practice it. Find, get, get a piece of canvas. Get a piece of poster board. Practice it a little bit. Drawing penises on the side of a building is not art. It's not. Mark, I'm sure if you are such an advocate for, for this art styling, I'm, sure, I'm sure you will allow your house to be the designated graffiti zone. Ooh. Correct, Mark? I mean, that's a fair thing to say. That like, I, As I am looking for an area right now where artists can go express themselves you know, artistically because, because that's been such a big problem is that I'm looking for one, Mark. I'm trying to find one. Can't do it. Can I Use your house, bro. Can we can we do that? I mean, there's a very big difference in taking an artist and telling them you are not allowed to display your art in this museum because it is racy. That is suppressing an artist versus telling somebody don't take that spray can and spray paint a business. Downtown Canton is literally every corner has a statue. There are more murals in this town than I can shake a stick at, and 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 and, and somehow or another going and covering up, you know, f Canton police. That's suppressing people's art. Okay, the Jim Thorpe. Okay. Mural is art. That's art. But dude, the stylings of graffiti, I mean, are Buzzman. Look at Buzzman, dude. That whole thing is the stylings of graffiti, and it looks awesome. I have zero issue with that. Yeah, I wish I knew that guy's name who did that, or woman. I don't know. It could have been either, I suppose. But I, whoever the artist was that did Buzzman, I wish I knew, because that is really well done. And Mark, and I know you wanted to like try to put your, you know, your, 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 your little punny, you know, classic rock spins on things, and to quote the who, the kids are all right, Mark. No, they're not. Well, 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 that's the kids the whole have point. never been all right. That's the whole point, is the kids are, well, the reason that they are all right is because there are opportunities of people who are showing them that you can live in a better city. You can live a better lifestyle. You don't have to throw your trash out the window. You don't have to commit crime to move on with your life. You can do these things. You can be a positive part of your community. And and and, and, and Mark over here is like, no, Stansberry show sucks. Wow. I mean, oh dude, my and, God, dude. And, and Mark, here's oh. what else I will tell you. You know what I know for sure? That this company has this rock station in every town in America. So every town in America is getting this this stereotyped version. Like you think Canton, Ohio's the one place that's got a heritage rocker on the radio? No. And, 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 and you think you think no. Canton, Ohio? Are, are you trying? Are you really trying to bring people down by telling them like, oh yeah, you're wearing a Guns and Roses shirt, dude? That's the problem with Canton. Of all the problems we have in this goddamn city, it's because it's because cars still have t tops on them, white snake shirts. Is, that's the problem. Well, slippers and pajamas you're at the right. store. You're right. I'll give you're, Mark, right. you're right. I got to give Mark that one. You're, right. you're, you're shot at $1,000 so you can buy yourself some better <laughs> slippers. Next, Rock 106.9. Good morning. The Stansberry Show. Or the God of your choosing. Best morning ever. Kent's Rock Station. Rock 106.9. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show. We're on Rock 106.9. Coming up a little while on the program, I'll... Um, I'll once again admit where I was wrong last week. Um, I had predicted that something was going to be awful, and it, ended, and it ended up being fantastic. Really? So to end the program, I'll give you that. We right. talked about it a little earlier in the show, but 
I'll reiterate for those of you who may have missed it. Uh, still to come is $1,000 up for grabs. And looking ahead at tomorrow, 9 o'clock, New Tour Tuesday, uh, brought to you by the Hard Rock Roxino Northfield Park. There you're getting new Kid Cudi, new Joe Nichols, and new uh, Nothing More, which is a band I actually got to see open up for Papa Roach Saturday night as I was working the Agora. And uh, I knew a little bit about them, not a ton. Uh, made friends with their merch dude who told me, he's like, dude, y- 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 watch us tonight when we're on. And that's how those guys talk when they're all involved with the band. He's like, make sure you watch them, man. He's like, they're really good. We feel like we're the next thing to break. And uh, so I saw them. I watched it. And they were. They were impressive, like, watching it. And then I listened to their newest album, The Stories We Tell Ourselves, I was, uh, pretty much all day yesterday. It's pretty good. Picked a song off of it called Do You Really Want It? And I feel like it's got a great message, so we'll air that for you tomorrow. Uh, I have a feeling this list is going to rub a lot of people the wrong way. Getting this from Fox News now, but they're referencing an article that they read from GQ Magazine. GQ Magazine made a list, Fantone, Mm -hmm. of the 21 books that you do not have to read. You've heard of these books, but don't waste your time. Okay. All right. I mean, like... There's plenty of examples of, of of albums like that, movies like that, where everyone's like, dude, you have to see this. You have to listen to this. And then you listen to it, and it's like, all right, well, that really was So I'll give you it. a few examples of what we're talking about here, right? Mm-hmm. A Farewell to Arms by Ernest Hemingway is on the list, okay? Uh, the Alchemist by Apollo Coelho is on the list. The Old Man and the Sea by Ernest Hemingway is on the list. Goodbye to All That by Robert Graves. Okay, so The Catcher in the Rye is on these lists. Uh, Lonesome Dove is on this list. So these are legendary books. Heavy classics. I mean, exactly right. all, all, those, all those books, I mean, those aren't easy reads. Huck Finn made the list. Okay. Okay. The Ambassador by Henry James made the list. Now, where the Fox News article takes issue with the list of 21 books you don't have to read from GQ is that the Bible is listed as the number 12 book of 21 that you don't have to read. Now, GQ then says, those who have read it know there are some good parts, but overall, it is certainly not the finest thing that man has ever produced. It's repetitive, it's self-contradictory, it's foolish, and even at times, ill-intentioned, the article states. So obviously, people who would classify themselves as deeply religious are going to take an issue with this. Right. Okay? Now, I would agree that the book self-contradicts itself quite a bit, the Bible does, having read it. Um, Did try to read it again about three years ago, found the writing style a little bit to be like, oh my God, this is almost obnoxious to read it this way, and ended up putting it back down. Is there like a... There is, Like a layman's version of... You can get a very easy to read version of the Bible, Bible, yes. Okay. That is available to you. I worry about changing translations and all this stuff for this thing. But here's why I'm ultimately okay with this book being on the list. Okay? Now, you got to remember, I was born the son of a minister, was raised with more than enough religion. Okay? Had to read the Bible to live in my father's house, by the way. We weren't allowed to continue to live there had we not read it. It was the thing he had his, his parishioners do. I think it was every year you started it here and it did this. So I've had to read it more than once, right? And again, I tried to read it a couple of years ago. I honestly, if I'm being honest, to honor that man. And I tried to do it. And it was like, dude, this is a hard read. I'm putting it right back down. 
But why I'm all right with it being on the list of books that you don't have to read is is a very simple reason. It's been presented to you as fact your entire life, and we have nothing to back that up, not a single thing. And so, like that is what is makes it okay for me to be on a list of overrated books, or maybe a book you don't have to read. This book is presented to you as an encyclopedia of fact, when we don't know that. So that to me is that's okay to put it on a list of books. Maybe that yeah, you don't have to read it. I mean, obviously, I think it's fair to say. Uh, Isn't it the, okay for me to skip any other fiction book? Uh, the most influential work of all time, I think, is fair to say. Um, I, I guess you could put other religious scripts into that conversation, but at the end of the day, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I think right. it's it's in the very it's in the very very short, short list, list, yeah, yes. of, uh, of what yes. we're talking about here. You're splitting hairs, um, but if, if 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 we can say that, and I can acknowledge that, that certainly one of the most influential works of all time. Can I look at it? separate from its religious intent. Can I look at it and just say, hey, I'm going to look at this objectively as a book, not as a religious working, not as the preachings of God, not as the preachings of Christianity. This is just a book, and I'm going to grade it as a book. Then I guess I can see how it's like... "Eh, Way long. Right. A lot of plot holes. Right. Like I've always said about the Bible, and we've seen movie adaptations of Mm -hmm. it, that if you had never... We'll do it like this. Let's say you were raised with zero religion. You have never heard the gospel of God, ever, right? And somewhere in Hollywood, they made the Bible the movie. Right. And again, you don't know this to be the book of how you can't, but they told you, like, what if this is what happened? And they showed you the movie of the Bible? You as a grown-up would look at that and go, no, (laughs) no. Cue it up again. Try again. That's exactly what you would do. Now, again, I know this for a lot of you is going to sound like I'm looking to knock down religion, that I'm looking to knock down the Bible. That's not it at all. As a matter of fact, when I do that, I feel very conflicted about it, knowing, again, what my what my raising was and where I come from. Okay? But I do don't I don't think it's crazy to put it on a list of books you don't necessarily have to read. A, a lot of you aren't going to, to agree with the ideology in it. And we don't know any of it happened. And C, when was the last time you read a book? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, okay. Um, I, uh, I, I, I have, over the past year, I've been trying to read a book every month. That's like my goal is like, all right, you have the time in the day. You can do that. Um, if there was like a cliff notes of the three major religions that I feel like I could like read because I don't want to sit there and I, I'm not going to be able to I'm not going to be able to sit there and read the Bible but like it's t- it, it is a tough read. I, I'm, I'm religiously ignorant dude I just I know that about myself and there is a little bit of me that's like yeah maybe if you like put a little bit of effort in put a little bit of homework in here maybe there would be something that like okay this is this is what you see in it here why do you want to know i mean i, I guess i don't like, know like, because i feel like i'm missing out or something i do so many other people are involved and you just don't care so many like like growing up like my parents my parents go to go to they go to church now they go to my brother's church really? and like yeah but like I didn't know that. growing up as kids they wanted us to have the ability to like come to it if we wanted to and not if we didn't want to that like was it smart. was Kind of our decision there of what we wanted to do, so it was never like fo- it. it was never forced on me. It was never like, "Yo, we're going to church." And I- now, oh, hold on, this is interesting because now your brother goes and you do not. Uh, yes, and now and- you know what I bet that is. Your brother's had kids, right? And well, and he married he married a, uh, a preacher's daughter. So oh, all of a sudden, all, all, all of a sudden, things are like, okay, Oof, yeah, man, he lucked out. I will. I'll, oh yeah, I'll totally go to church with you now. Um, but like, I just feel like. 
I didn't know. That. Most other things in life, if I feel like I'm dumb in something, I want to. I want to do something yeah, about it. I want to learn too. something. And now, to, but with religion, I'm just like, whatever. I don't care. See, whatever. I got so much of it. It made me go the other way. Like my dad was a minister, but honestly, one of his big things was is making my brother David and I go to other churches other okay. backgrounds like i had to go to a synagogue i had okay. to you know what i mean i had yeah. to i had to like he forced us to kind of take a look at how other people and other religions do this i kind of want to do that i want to go on like the world tour of churches get the shirt <laughs> buy it at ebay.com more Sansbury show after you get hooked up at the thousand dollars right now your shot at one thousand dollars now text the keyword cash to 200 200 You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply. That's cash to 200-200. Rock. 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansbury Show on Rock 106.9. We still have those tickets for Operation Reaching the Summit. That event this Saturday. We'll get you hooked up before the end of the program. Um, I want to be careful about this next piece of content we're going to do. <laughs> All right, whatever it is. I mean, we just talked about the Bible, so whatever it is has got to be loaded. I uh, I want to be very, very careful. There's a school in Texas that is now apologizing and should be for an assignment that they had students list the positive... And to their credit, if we're going to give them any, also the negative aspects of slavery for an American history class. Okay. (laughs) Well, this is loaded. Okay. Now, this is obviously going to make some people upset. To even insinuate that you believe that anything that came out of slavery would have been positive people are going to have a hard time with now you add the fact that this is texas which doesn't have the best overall you know what i mean reputation for race relations now i've never lived in texas i've been there so i don't know that could be widely exaggerated of you know the way some other things are but texas has got a bad reputation in this regard that obviously you should have known as educators that there is, that this was going to be ill-received. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, right? That isn't this just placating soft people by, by, by not being willing to admit that there may have been some positives for the people who were, who, who were maybe the slave owners, this and that? And I would say to you that in-depth thought on these issues is probably good overall, but I believe that this is maybe more where... More for college, less for elementary, middle, high school education in this regard, if you ask me. I'm also a person who I believe is reasonably intelligent um, that I, I guess I don't, I don't know if I can think of a positive effect of slavery. I, I, I'm going I'm to come up with what the answer is here, I guess, in the sense of like, I, I, I think this is maybe what they were looking for or what they were trying to get at. And I'm not trying to say that like this is OK, but I'm going to say cheap labor profits are up. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's essentially the 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 the, the bonus of it. Right. Well, I cannot think of any other. 
I mean, I, I, I'm not trying. I'm not, I'm not trying to be like, no, you don't want slavery. That's okay. But I, I, I think, right. I think that's the at least what they're looking for. But like, but when you when you say this is more of a college question versus versus you know a, a sixth graders question or whatever here, when you're having these conversations with children and you are you know teaching about you know slavery within the third fourth grade here, there's got to be some sort of explanation that you can give to kids. Like, well, why did we do this? And, and what is the answer to that? Why did we do this? Was it because they were all terrible people? The slave owners were all bad. Everybody white was all bad. Or was it, well, we were trying to exploit. We were trying to, we were trying to maximize profit. You know what I'm saying? Like there, there's, you, you're going to have to be able to explain to kids what caused this as opposed to just like, yeah, it was a terrible time and we hope we never do it again. You know what I mean? To me, it like, again, if loaded you're, conversation here, dude. <laughs> like, if you're geez. a young person, right, going to school. And you're asked this question about what maybe the positive effects of slavery were. Aren't you then naturally going to go down the thought path of, have I been missing like what was good, good about this? Here? And I've only been sold on what was terrible about this. And now you're forcing young, multiple minds to search for something that may have been good about this? Yeah, I mean, it is. It's a more complex question. And, and, and to put it it's put it in those terms is so simplistic of like, well, what were the goods and what were the bads, the positives and I mean, the negatives? It was literally, I'm looking at, the, like, at the, the sheet they were given. It's two boxes, positive aspects, negative aspects. And one of the kids under positive aspects listed non-applicable. And good for you, kid. Good for you. This is a little loaded. And as an education body, a school, you should have known. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, how soft are we going to get where we can't even teach our kids about... I don't think that this is this, though. And I really don't. And I am the quit being so soft guy. Normally, I'm that guy. But I don't think that this really fits in there. I really don't. I think you should have known that as a school, people were going to have an issue with this. And this is a much... There is a deeper conversation in here for sure, but I think it's on a college campus is where it happens. I don't think a high school is where this goes. I really don't. I, I don't. I think this was elementary. I don't even think this was oh, high school. Right? I mean, like, look at it, dude. Like that. that the, yeah, I think that was younger kids. I just don't know where. I just don't know You're where right. where those answers are, though, because like you can't you can't just wait to start talking about the tough things, the loaded questions, the 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 the, 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 the you know slavery and all well, those different things. You can't wait until college to do that. But how do you tell? How do you tell an eight year old what what slavery really was? I would agree that you cannot. Wait until people are too old to start having these conversations. However, I think it's okay for us to teach kids in school now about slavery and sell it, not sell it, but report it, teach it to you as only a negative. I feel like that's okay. And when I say as an eight-year-old to my teacher or my dad or whatever, well, well why, did, why, did, why did the people do that? Why did the plantation owners do that? You know what I'm saying? I, 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 well, I don't again, know. That's more a question for this is where being a teacher is hard because that's more yeah. a question for a parent, I believe. But I believe it's OK to teach kids about something that happened and only only show them the negative. I don't think it's important that we <laughs> must find a positive silver lining in everything. The counterbalance of everything. Right. Like, hey, what were the positives of the Holocaust? I mean, like, hey, what? what tell me. Tell me the three best things you need to know about the Holocaust. I just, it's like, it, yeah. it seems like a very weird mental exercise. And I can tell you, as a guy who went to New Orleans, not once, but twice, and the first year I went, I've told this story before, I went to a sugar plantation um, outside of New Orleans, Louisiana. 
and we took a, a complete tour. And they walk you through the master's house, and they walk you through the field and show you this. And then all of a sudden, they take you back, and there's a little shack, and that's being nice about it at the back end of the property. And it's really the visual of how far away it is from the master's house really sells it for you on, on, on the way we thought about slaves, where they just were not human in the mind. Like, we just viewed them as non-human, Right. And so you see the shack all the way off in the, in, in, in the distance and they walk you in it and you're standing in it and the room is so, your kid's bedroom is bigger than this shack is just to give you a frame of reference. And then they start to tell you about how many people lived in there, slept in there every night. And you say, and as a matter of fact, a woman standing in front of me said, there's absolutely no way that's possible. And then the tour guide says this to you. It's because you're not evil enough to think about stacking them on top of one another so they have to sleep body on top of body, and then it hits you just how bad that whole thing was. Then it really hits you and sinks in. That was bad. I don't think it's important to take school-age children and walk them through and try to find a silver lining of what is the original black eye of this country. I don't think that that's important. We have tickets for Operation Reaching the Summit. We'll get you hooked up before ending the program next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. That guy knows how to party. Rock 106.9. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show on Rock 106.9. I'm about to admit where I was wrong last week. We'll do that here in a second. want to go backwards just a little bit, not too much. Uh, before the break, we were talking about this assignment in Texas where kids were asked, elementary school kids were asked, uh, what maybe some of the positive effects of slavery were. And I kind of had said, look, I don't think it's important that we try to find a silver lining in everything, especially while we're educating. Um, I know there's a think outside the box angle you could go. My thing with thinking outside of the box, that's more for problem solving, not for finding wrong, right and wrong. And I had said that I felt like slavery was the the original black eye of this country. Now I know this guy's like, well, you know, what about what we did to the you know the American Indians? And what I will say about that is, yes, that part was not great. All right, and that did it come before slavery? Yes, ultimately it did. However, I don't believe the the negative effects of that crime rear its ugly head today the way slavery does. Slave, dude, what this country did with slavery is still a major driving factor in the poor race relations this country still has today. And also that it took until the 1960s to kind of have a movement to be like, hey, we should get better about this. And I believe that the, that, that the criminality of slavery still rears its ugly heads today, its ugly head today, which is why I think it's America's original sin. And I mean, like, can't two things be bad? I mean, like, if this guy's really getting caught up on, what well, was it the original or the second one? Oh, okay, okay. all right. I, I guess, man. But uh, uh, the point stands. Okay. You all know right. what I mean? I don't think he was necessarily being all that critical, just saying, hey, don't forget about this one, too. Okay. But and okay. my response to him was, is not only did we forget, we celebrate it. We get together to overeat over the fact that we committed genocide. That's what Thanksgiving is. It's being thankful that we were strong enough to take a country away from somebody else. That's what it is. You can call it whatever you want. But there you are on that Thursday sharpening that knife. Let's get to that bird. Get to it, man. Get to it. Hashtag equality. All right, I have to now admit where I was wrong. Okay. Not my favorite thing to do, but massively important that you do it. Okay? This is how you keep yourself in check. You gut check. Find out where you're wrong. Fantone will tell you. As a guy who knows me better than the most of you, 
is that when I don't want to do something, I will make it the worst thing that's going to happen in my mind to prepare myself for what I don't want to do. Yeah. And then often that is a defense mechanism. That way, when I re- when I go through it, I'm like, ah, wasn't that bad. Now, I'm guessing I'm not the only person within earshot of this conversation that does that. I'm guessing some of you will do that. And I had said last week on the program that at the end of the week, I had to Friday night work at the Cleveland Agora and we had Dave Matthews in the house. Now, my problem is not Dave Matthews. I like Dave Matthews just fine. I've seen him willingly, have paid to go see him willingly. Okay, I'm not the biggest fan, but he's got songs I like and I recognize the fact that he is a really good artist. Okay. But I I was like, eh, it's a political rally. These people are going to spend a bunch of money, and they're going to be uppity, and they're not going to care about Dave Matthews. Really, it's really going to be about the fact that they have this political agenda, and they're going to be snotty, right? And I was 100% completely wrong about the whole thing. Wrong. It was mostly people who were like, dude, I've never even heard of Dennis Kucinich. I want to see the space between. Would have been a very easy thing for you to just brush to the side because it's not like I was coming back in with like a, yo, Stansbury, give me all the details. But no, I, uh, I'm i glad you're admitting you were wrong here. I, I, I know where your doubt came from in your mind, um, but I guess I can't say I'm necessarily shocked. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure there were some people that sucked there. But as a whole, um, I think this was well, more... I think this was more people who saw, hey, I can see Dave Matthews play acoustic, which I've never had the opportunity to see before, as opposed to people who were like, dude, you know what? I really got to support Dennis Kucinich. Yeah, that's what it was. And that's and then it hit me. It's like, oh, yeah, dummy. That's why they get guys yeah. like this, is to get people who are not interested to maybe pay attention. And as a so-so fan, again, my bar manager totally hooked me up. AJ was like, dude, look, the show's kind of starting. Just go upstairs. Make sure the cocktail waitresses know what they're doing. Other than that, just stand there and watch it. So I got to see a good portion of the Dave Matthews show. I pulled up early because I was like, I let one of the other girls I was working with go up there and kind of do it because she wanted to see it more than I did. But I got to stand up there and kind of watch it. A good, very good long portion of it. And it was him without the band. And it was just him and an acoustic guitar. And he killed it. He was so good. And actually, my buddy Connor's band, Front Porch Lights, opened up for him, and they were excellent. And it was kind of cool for me to be serving drinks all night and hear people at the bar kind of ask their friends, who was that band that just opened? They were really good. And it was kind of cool to hear people get excited about seeing my buddy's band play, so that was kind of cool, too. But Dave Matthews was great. I mean, he was awesome. And then afterwards, he kind of did like a meet and greet with some of like the political staffers and like volunteers and that kind of thing. Ended up coming over to the bar, asking me for a bottle of water. We had a like, two-minute conversation, shook my hand. One of the nicest guys I've ever met. And, dude, people were mobbing that dude. Like, grown women were hanging off that dude's shirt. And for him to be, like, gracious during that and be cool during it, it was kind of cool to see. I was completely and utterly 100% wrong about how that night was going to go. And actually was very, very happy I ended up going and working. And then Saturday night we had Papa Roach and nothing more in the house. Escape the fate, too. And that ended up being pretty good. Papa Roach always puts out a pretty good show. They just kind of know what they're doing. Been at it yeah. 20 years. I yeah. mean, they should have Last Resort down yeah. by now. Yeah, you should be able to play Scars, guys. <laughs> you should get it done. You should be able to get through that one. But Dave Matthews was a... Uh, I was pleasantly surprised with how that night went. It was actually very, very good and very entertaining. And I believe the people who went got a value for a dollar spent, even though it was an expensive ticket. It was a cool thing. It was a cool thing to see. We do have tickets for Operation Reaching the Summit. That's this Saturday. Oh, yeah. Summit oh, County yeah. Fairgrounds. Little midget wrestling, little OCW wrestling, and then uh, for the grown-ups, some MMA. Oh, dude, the rock and roller is going to be there. Buck Naked Band. Oh, 
dude, it is honestly, it's going to be an awesome day. You should want to get into this. Fantone and I both will be in attendance Saturday night for Operation Reaching the Summit, and so will you if you're caller number 20 right now at 1 800 243 7625 on those. Teresa will get you hooked up with $1,000 at 1010 this morning. Aside from that, we're done. Be back at it live tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. on Rock 1069 for New Tour Tuesday, where you are getting new Kid Cudi, new Joe Nichols, and new Nothing More. That's brought to you by the Hard Rock Roxino. Aside from that, you guys have a great afternoon. See ya. We may not be a global epidemic yet. On iHeartRadio. This is a dream come true. Canton's Rock Station. Rock 1069.